what do you think will be the one common emotion for these people who face the following situations? So a person is inside a house that is on fire. A person who is just trying to cross the road, he's facing a speedy vehicle. Now, a person is told by a doctor of his deadly disease. So what do you think will be the one common emotion that a person will experience under all these situations? I'm sure undoubtedly all of us would have come to the conclusion that is fear. All of us are born with the emotion of fear. Fear is good as well as a bad emotion. It is a good emotion, but it is also a bad emotion. Fear is a good emotion because it alerts us to the presence of danger, of coming, impending danger. For example, we call this as good fear because when we see fire, we will keep ourselves away from the, from the fire. When we see the wild animals, we'll try to protect ourselves, we'll try to run away from the wild animals, we'll try to hide ourselves. When we see sharp objects, we will not touch it. Maybe a needle, maybe a broken glass piece, we will be careful because we fear. And police, they, they create a sense of fear because they say if a police station is shut down in a place, just within a week, the crime rate will just rise in that place. Just the presence of a police station brings down the crime rate. COVID-19, we should fear, we should be careful, we should wear the mask, we should use a hand sanitizer, we should listen to the instructions. This is all good fear which protects us. It is to our benefit. But there is the other kind of fear. Sometimes fear originates from imagined dangers. Nothing is real, but it keeps happening in our mind. In our mind, we imagine these things. So what are some examples? Death. What if I die? You keep thinking about death. What if I die? We all know we should die one day. But it's bad fear when we keep thinking, what if I die? Self-image, what others will think about me? You know what others will think about me? Do you know it is what others think about you? It keeps changing. It's like a weather report. The, what others think about in the morning, they'll think about you very good. By afternoon, it'll change. By evening, again, it'll change. So what others think about me? What if I fail? We begin our life itself as failures, 
So what's new in this? What will happen to me if I fail? So you're so scared of this failure, you don't even want to take up a new project. What if I lose my job? Why don't you say, I have finished my term in this place, God is taking me to a new place. Instead of saying, what's going to happen if I lose my job? In the first place, who gave you the job? God gave you the job, God is your provider. So when you lose your job, yes, God will take you to, to some other place. But if you are reeling under that fear, it is bad fear. What will happen to my future? Who created you? He has created you with a plan, purpose. He knows your future. So we keep thinking unnecessarily. This, is, this fear, we call it as bad. Bad fear. Why do we call it as bad? Bad fear involves both physical and emotional symptoms. It's not good for our health. Each person may experience fear differently, but, but some of the common physical symptoms are chest pain, dry mouth, rapid heartbeat, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, upset stomach, and other symptoms. I'm not saying all the symptoms are only due to fear. It could be due to other ailments also, like high blood pressure, like genetic disorders. It could be uh, any other reasons, but fear is one of the causes for these symptoms. Now, these are the physical symptoms of bad fear. There are also psychological symptoms of bad fear. The psychological symptoms are you're overwhelmed. You know, there is a rush of emotions. You're unable to control your emotions. You feel you're just being overwhelmed. In fact, you're being overtaken by a superior force. That's how you feel. That's why this, we call it as psychological systems, your symptoms, you're overwhelmed. You are upset. You're upset at everybody. You just don't want to listen to them. You're upset. You are feeling out of control. You feel my life is now out of control. What's going to happen to me? This is all psychological symptoms of bad fear. You have a sense of impending death. Oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. All of us have to die, but you don't have to live with this kind of symptoms. But as believers, the Bible exhorts us not to live with bad fear because bad fear results challenging days with confidence 
with peace and also hope. We are the people of hope. People are watching us. You know, our very life is a testimony as we face these difficult days, these trying days. People are observing how we go through the situation. Do we have that confidence? Do we have that peace? Do we have that hope? This does not mean we live carelessly. You know, there are people, we say we quote Psalm 91, so COVID-19 will not come to us. So we will not wear masks. That's not the kind of faith the Bible encourages us. Bible doesn't say that you have to live carelessly. You know, even the instructions that we receive, it is God's ordained way of taking care of his people. That's not the way of quoting the Bible. It's a wrong way of quoting the Bible. We are, we are uh, reciting Psalm 91, so nothing will happen to us. God doesn't want us to live carelessly. God wants us to be careful. God wants us to listen to wise instructions. So we might say, how can I be confident? How can I be peaceful and cheerful in the midst of all my challenges, in the midst of all my troubles and difficulties? Is it possible? Is it true? Pastor, what you are saying, is it true? that we can live with confidence, we can live with peace, we can live cheerfully, and also we can live with hope. Now, Paul, while in the Roman prison, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In good days and bad days, learn to rejoice in the Lord. As we learn to rejoice in the Lord, even when troubles even when we face troubles and difficulties, we will still learn to rejoice in the Lord. We wish he had described his problems and difficulties in the prison because if he had described, we would have said, oh my goodness, my problems are nothing compared to the problems that Paul faced in his prison. Now, how can Paul say rejoice while being in prison? What made him say this? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Because Paul knew that his God was all sufficient. He knew his God was all sufficient to meet all his needs and challenges. So we can't be confident peaceful and hopeful in the midst of our problems and difficulties based on our strength, based on our accomplishments, based on our finances. We can't rejoice. We can't be confident because when health fails, money cannot help us. We may go to the best hospitals, but they also have their own limitations. But we can always be confident, peaceful, and hopeful in the midst of our problems and difficulties based on who our God is. Our God is all sufficient. Our God is all sufficient. He is sufficient 
in all my situations, in all my circumstances, he is all sufficient God. You can put it like this, he's an all-weather God. He's there all the time with me. He neither slumber nor sleeps. He is my God, he is working. Even when I can't see his work, he's still working. He continues to work. As we sang this morning, he continues to work. He is always taking care of me. We will never encounter a problem that is bigger than our God. Never. We will. That is the bottom line. We will never encounter something in our life that is bigger than our problem. Our God is big enough not only to help us in all situations, but also big enough to bless us with a new life and future. Every challenge we face, God is preparing us to enter into a new door. Every failure we face, God is opening up a new door for us to enter. So he is so powerful, he's so awesome, he's so loving, he's so caring. He is always thinking about a new life and future for us. Whatever might be our situations, whatever condition, whatever situation you might be today, you can tell yourself, my God is preparing a new direction for me because he is all sufficient for me. Now, even before we go to Genesis chapter 15, because I've taken this from Genesis chapter 15, our God is all sufficient. So even before we go to chapter 15, I want to briefly describe the context. So in chapter 13, what happens in Abraham and his nephew Lot are separated because the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their positions were so great that they were not able to stay together. So quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. They had a lot of positions, and their people were fighting with each other. So Abraham, the older man, thought, oh, we should peacefully resolve this issue. So he looked at his nephew Lot and said, see here, with this land is not sufficient for both of us. So what you do is, if you want to go towards left, I will go towards right. If you go towards right, uh, if you go towards left, I will go towards right. Lot, this is your choice. You can choose the direction in which you want to go, but both of us cannot stay here and it is not good for us. So Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Johar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. So the two men said bye-bye, departed company. So Abraham continued to live in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. 
Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now we come to chapter 14. What happens in chapter 14 is a great battle is taking place. There is a five-nation alliance led by the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. They found themselves on the losing side in this battle. They are fighting against a four-nation alliance, but they are not able to overcome them. A five-nation alliance, don't you think it's a stronger one compared to a four-nation alliance? Now, the Bible says the four kings, that is the four-nation alliance, they seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. Also carried off Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. We have a very crucial verse in Genesis chapter 14. Verse 14, which says, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Unbelievable, isn't it? Just 313 tra trained men. 318 trained men. Now, they are going to fight against the Four Nation Alliance. It's unbelievable. And the Bible says they defeated them. They defeated the Four Nation Alliance and they rescued Lord and his possessions and all the people. Then we have an interesting figure, Melchizedek, king of Salem, and he is also a priest of God Most High. He blessed Abraham. Now the king of Sodom, who could not fight this four-nation alliance, he came to Abraham and he said, Oh Abraham, I'm so pleased with you. I'm grateful to you. You have rescued all our people and possessions. You take all the possessions, keep it with you, take everything and keep it with you. But Abraham said, I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. Now, this is the background. Now we are going to chapter 15. Our God is all sufficient. As I was mentioning about bad fear, we'll be able to overcome bad fear only when we know that our God is all sufficient. Paul knew that his God was all sufficient and that is the reason while in prison he could write, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now let's read Genesis 15, 1 to 6 together. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me 
since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. This is God's word. What are we seeing in this passage, in this short passage? God is revealing himself to Abraham as an all-sufficient God. What do we mean by all-sufficient God? No, God is not only sufficient in himself. He is not in need of anything, but he is also sufficient for his children in all situations and circumstances. Our God is all sufficient. Now, how do I know that my God is all sufficient? Just we will concentrate on this one verse. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, just on this one verse. There is so many things in this passage. For want of time, we will just concentrate on this one verse. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. How do I know that my God is all sufficient? My God is all sufficient because he leads me from fear to faith. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He leads me from fear to faith. We all fear somebody or something and that is human. Sometimes we might fear a superior authority and sometimes we might fear a situation. Fear is an inbuilt mechanism. Fear is a kind of protective mechanism. It's because of fear we don't jump into fire or a deep well. It is good to have this kind of fear so long as it is within the limits and reasonable. But there is another kind of fear which is common to humankind after the fall. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Quite often, this fear has the ability to paralyze our lives. It is this kind of bad fear that paralyzes our lives. Fear of our future. What's going to happen? What will happen to my life? Fear of our safety. 
fear of facing a difficult situation. I don't want to go there because I can't face that situation. Fear of losing our dear ones. Fear of our old age. Fear of our children's future. Your child is God's child. You don't own your child. So just this unnecessary fear of our children's future. Oh, what's wrong? God is responsible for your children's future. We have a responsibility as parents, and that is limited. But your children, they belong to God. So when we are overwhelmed about our children's future, that's bad fear. Fear of our reputation, as I said, people change their opinion about me every hour. It's like a weather report. People change their opinion about you every hour. So you, what's more important is what God thinks of me, not what people are thinking of me. Unless there is something serious that we need to sit and introspect. We can't live based on other people's opinion. We are here to live a life that will bring glory, honor, and praise to our Lord. So this kind of fear, this kind of bad fear, it robs joy and peace from our hearts. We are unable to sleep. We keep thinking and thinking and thinking, what mistake did I do? We keep going back. You know, so we don't, we lose our joy, we lose our peace. As a result, we lose our health. You know, this kind of fear can be overcome only by faith. My God is all sufficient because he leads me from fear to faith. Although we can't be completely sure of what Abraham feared, I think the context gives us some clue it seems the likely that Abraham was questioning the wisdom of some of the decisions he has made recently. He is now thinking, hey, in a half of a moment, I just went against those four kings and I was able to defeat them. Was it a wise decision? Should I have gone there at all in the first place? Now, these kings, if they come back, what's going to happen to me, to my wife, and to all the property, to my herdsmen, what's going to happen? He's having that kind of fear. I just went with 318 people. Somehow it was a good day, I overcame them. But today, if these four kings, even if they come with 200 people each, 800 people. How will I face them? What's going to happen to my life, my future? It is at that time as he was thinking, the word of the Lord came to, came to Abraham in a vision. <coughs> Do not be afraid, Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abraham. The only way we can overcome our fear is when we have faith in our all-sufficient God. Because fear and faith are opposites. 
fear and faith cannot coexist. Bad fear and genuine faith cannot coexist. As faith increases, fear decreases. We cannot allow the bad fear to overwhelm us. As our faith increases, the fear will also decrease. He has defeated the Four Nation Alliance with just 318 men. Probably Abraham thought that with his own strength, with his so-called trained people, he was able to defeat them. Probably God is reminding him, do not be afraid, Abraham. It is not you who defeated them. It is I who was with you. Once we recognize and understand that our God is all sufficient, then we will be able to overcome our fear. When a child is crying out of fear, and just hears the father's voice, don't be afraid, I'm here only. The child stops crying. Why? Because the child can recognize its father. As we read the scriptures, it is more important we recognize our God. Do we recognize our God? Just the words alone, will not help us. We need to recognize the voice behind the word. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. Do I recognize that person who is making the statement? Do I recognize him? Do I know him? Have I met him before? These are the questions we need to ask because a promise is only as good as the person making it. If you're going, if you're, if you're having, uh, if you're having an issue in the company and if the security guard were to tell you, I will help you. And if the CEO of the company were to understand your problem and he says, I will help you, there is a difference. There is a difference. In the same way, the promise is only as good as the person making it. So unless we know that person, we know this promise, do not be afraid, Abraham. But do we know that person? Because it's very important for us to know the person. Once we can recognize the father's voice, we will stop crying. We will stop fearing. Once we recognize, that father's voice. It is important to know who is our father. You know, the Lord is the one who made the heaven and the earth. He is the one, creator God, who made the heaven and the earth. Because Bible says, Psalm 121, 1-2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth.
is my lord cannot lie paul is saying in titus 1 2 in the hope of eternal life which god who does not lie promised before the beginning of time my god is not a liar when i hear that voice i know him he is the one who created the heavens and the earth i know his power i know his might i know his creativity i know his wisdom i know his diversity i know he is a god who will not lie i know nothing is too difficult for my god nothing nothing is too difficult for him jeremiah 32:17 says oh sovereign lord you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm nothing is too hard for you when i hear that voice i recognize that person <clears throat> god my god is a creator god my god is true to his promises for my god nothing is too hard nothing is too hard so when i know this god it's very easy for me to understand this verse do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i'll uphold you with my righteous right hand when i recognize that voice do not be afraid abraham this morning you put your name in the place of abraham do not be afraid put your name there do not be afraid put your name and then ask yourself do i recognize the person who is making this promise or do i only know the promise or i know the person who is making this promise we saw in romans god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering do i know that person it is important for us to know that person this morning if you are struggling with some kind of bad fear let the promises of god help you to overcome your fears we should know the one who is making these promises it's important for us it's not enough for us only to memorize these promises we should know this person we should sit and think about the encounters we have had with this person and that's what will help us to overcome our fears my god is all sufficient because he leads me from fear to faith my god is all sufficient because he is my shield after this the word of the lord came to abram in a vision <clears throat> do not be afraid abram i am your shield i am your shield the word shield is of interest because a normal man doesn't carry the shield it's only a soldier it's part of his armament it's soldier's armament to carry the shield so since we have seen in chapter 14 
it may be related to that raid that Abraham had just undertaken in chapter 14. <clears throat> Is God reminding Abraham that he was his shield? Abraham, you fought against the four nation alliance, but remember, I was your shield. Otherwise, how can we explain the victory of 318 men against four nation alliance? Even if we consider the nations were weak and all that, there were four nation alliance. It was a strong alliance compared to this 318 men. God tells Abraham, Abraham, I am your shield. So when I have protected you, I will also protect you in future. Nobody is going to harm you. I am your shield. I am your shield and I will protect you. Day and night, I will watch over you. I'm not going to sleep. I am sufficient for you. My God is all sufficient because he is my shield. Abraham had no problem in identifying this metaphor of shield. Having come out of a victorious battle, he can relate to that shield metaphor very easily. And God is assuring him, I am your shield. The outcome of your life, the outcome of this battle depends on God and therefore it is certain. How relevant is the shield for us today? How relevant is it? Somebody said that Christian life is not a playground, it is a battleground. Christian life is not a playground, but it's a battleground. So we use God's mighty weapons, not the worldly weapons. Because whenever we use the worldly weapons, we will fail. But when we use God's mighty weapons, we will overcome because he is our shield. You know, with this in our mind, it makes more sense to read Ephesians chapter 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? God. Genesis 15:1 says, I am your shield. In other words, Ephesians 6:16 says, walk with God. Don't try to walk alone. God wants to walk with you. Whether you're in the hospital or whether you're in the company, whether you're in the multinational company, whether you are at home, God wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He is the shield. It is not just few words that builds up our faith. It is the person of God who is our shield. And that's what in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Now, what is the advantage when God is our shield? You know, if you, if you are a soldier, you will be trained as to how to handle the shield. You have to develop your skill. Without the skill, you cannot handle shield. They will teach you how to handle it, how to place it. 
in which direction you have to hold it. But when God becomes your shield, the outcome of the war does not depend on you, on your skills. It depends on God. He is the shield. He knows in which direction he has to move the shield. So God is our shield. It is not few words, few sentences that we read, which is our shield. It is God himself who is our shield. That's why we say, my God is all sufficient because he is my shield. If when God becomes our shield, we will join with the psalmist and sing, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with song I praise him. The Lord is my strength and my shield. You would have heard me telling this often do you know your God as a warrior God? When God is your shield, he becomes your warrior God. He fights your battle. Have you experienced in your life God as a warrior God? A God is a warrior God. I am your shield. Let him fight our life situations and challenges. Let God be our shield. It doesn't mean that we should not plan, we should not prepare, we should not use our wisdom. No, it's not that. But let our dependency always be on God. Let him go ahead of us. Let us not take a step ahead of him. That's where discernment comes. Let's not go a step ahead. God has a perfect time for everything because he is our shield and he goes ahead of us. He knows the dangers that are ahead of us. He will take care of us. He will fight our battles. Have you experienced your God as a warrior God? My God is all sufficient because he is my shield. My God is all sufficient because he leads me from fear to faith. My God is all sufficient because he is my shield. Finally, my God is all sufficient because he is my great reward. God says, I'll be your great reward. Probably Abraham having returned to his tent, now he's having another thought. The king of Sodom, he offered me so much of treasures. Whether I was a foolish man to just refuse it, after all, I went, I have worked for him, I have helped him, I have rescued his people. It was not my work. So even if I take that reward, he's not doing me a favor, shouldn't I, should I have refused that? So probably, Abraham is having those thoughts in his mind. You know, because in Genesis 14, 23, he said, I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread 
or the strap of a sandal so that you will never be able to say I made Abraham rich. Probably I was just, he has come out of that battle. He knew God had fought for him. So I don't want to take from this man so that tomorrow you will take credit for my treasure. Now probably he's having those thoughts in his mind. And that's the reason God is telling him, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. Your very great reward. God says, I myself will be your reward. I myself will be your great reward. So you don't have to worry about the consequences for refusing the material reward because I will be your reward. Do we see the Lord has a reward? Do we see the Lord as a reward which is more valuable than all our earthly gains? our positions, our accomplishments, our achievements, our credentials. Do we see God as greater than all this? Can we just lay all our crowns at his feet and then say, God, you are my great reward and that's enough for me. Will I be able to lay at his feet all that I have achieved, all my achievements, all my accomplishments, all my accolades, all my treasures? Will I be able to lay all my reputation, name, fame? Will I be able to name, place it at his feet and say, Lord, you take all this, but I want you because you are my great reward. When God is all sufficient, this will be our attitude. I know when God is all sufficient, when I know, how do I know? Because these things are not important. I use these things to glorify my God. I keep all these things at his feet. I place all my crowns at his feet. All my name, fame, everything I place at his feet because my God is my great reward. No matter how grim and hopeless our situation might be, remember our God is all sufficient. Even before we face any adversity, God knows about that. Even before you are diagnosed with a deadly disease, God knows about that. When we rely on him, he will strengthen and bless us with necessary wisdom. Not only will bless us with wisdom, he will cover us with his favor. When we face failure in our life's journey, don't lose heart because our God is all sufficient and he is able to open new doors for us. The doors we have not seen, the pathway, the new doors that will lead to a beautiful pathway, which we have not even imagined, not even we have seen, 
when we rely on him, then my God is all sufficient. I don't have to fear the failures. How can we apply these words in our lives? The message, the word of God is as good as we apply in our lives. You can listen to this word and you can say it is good and all that, but if you don't apply it in your life, if I don't apply this in my life, it's of no use. Though it's God's word, if I don't apply it, it's of no use. So the first thing we need to do is admit your fears. Sit down in a quiet place. Think about the word. Do not be afraid, Abraham. And then ask yourself, am I struggling with bad fears? Am I unnecessarily, unduly worried about my future, my children's future, my reputation, what people will think about me, about my failure, what will happen to my job, what's going to happen to my life. Admit your fears first. Unless we admit, unless we recognize it's only as we recognize, we will experience the relief, the deliverance. We will experience relief from our distress. Otherwise, we'll continue to live in our distress. Admit your fears. Do not be afraid. Put your name. Do not be afraid. What are you afraid of this morning? Of your life? Fear of death? All of us have to die one day. We cannot escape that. Do not be afraid. What more is there? He has overcome the death. Even if I die today, I will see him face to face. But I don't have to live in this fear. When my day, when my time comes, I will die. Admit your fears. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord. Know your God. That is more important. Know the person of God. Our God is not an idea. Our God is not a philosophical thought. Our God is not a force. Our God is a person. So know that person. Try to listen to his voice. Try to see his leading. Try to acknowledge his presence. Abraham has just come out of that battle. He needs to recognize his God in the midst of that battle. He was his shield. He was a shield. Believe in the Lord. God wants us to lead 
a confident, peaceful, and hopeful life. We are living in, in the midst of uncertainty, COVID-19, so much of uncertainty, economic crisis, job loss, pay cut. In the midst of all this, God wants us to lead a confident, a peaceful, and a hopeful life because our God is all sufficient. How sufficient is your God today? How sufficient is your God today? The more we rely on the worldly things, our God will be insufficient. The more we rely on him, when I look back, I know but for God, but for God, but for God, but for God. It is God and God alone. And that gives me the courage and that gives me the encouragement because I can see, I can look, I can look behind and can see my God holding my hand, leading me step by step by step. Not I was righteous, not I was good, not I was holy because he was a loving God and he continues to be a loving God. Admit your fears and believe in the Lord. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Glorious Father, we thank you for the word that has come from you. Thank you, Lord, for you are an all-sufficient God, Lord. You're an all-weather God under all situations, all circumstances. You are sufficient for us, O oh Lord. You have asked your children not to be fearful, not to be afraid. Don't be afraid, Abraham. Today, Lord, let it resonate well with us, Master. Today, as we are surrounded by so many uncertainties, difficulties, crisis situations, Oh Lord, help us to hear that word once again. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your great reward. Help us to know you more and more. Let our trust be in you and you alone, O oh God. Not in this world, not in the worldly things, not in the accomplishments in this world, not in the ministry, O oh Lord, but in my God, in our God because you are all sufficient. Bless each and every one of us, O oh Lord. As we have heard the word of God, I pray it will produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold harvest in our lives. Lord, today, if your children are going through unfounded fears, if they are struggling with bad fears, I pray, Lord, this word will deliver them. I pray, oh God, this word will comfort them. I pray, God, this word will assure them. I pray, Lord, this word will strengthen them and establish them in the kingdom of God for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.